Podcasting from anywhere other than a jail cell, this is Soberholic, a podcast created to encourage, equip, and inspire you to overcome your hurts, habits, and hangups. And now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome to Soberholic. Jason, we are going to be continuing on from a topic we had last week. Yes, that was a good topic. I like the recovery lingo. I know it. Um, Part two. And so a lot of this stuff you just have to interpret, you know, because people don't stop when they're sharing in meetings to explain what they're saying. They just say it, and you're supposed to to know what they mean. Yeah. And um, uh, that's kind of led us to this topic. We ended um, by accident uh, of going from kind of the jargon um, of of terms like sponsor and um, I don't know what all we talked about the different things. Yeah, just some Old of timers. Yeah. And, um, I think we may even talked about closed meetings and some other different mm-hmm. options there. Um, but we talked about some of those things, but then there's also different sayings, I guess would be a better way of saying it. I don't think these are really the same thing as we talked about last no. week. These are more so the sayings that you would hear, or maybe even a slogan you could call it. Yeah. And, um, 12 step slogans. Yeah. And so you hear these or maybe even see these. I remember oftentimes these were written, um, and like script calligraphy and put on the walls, yeah. um, framed up framed, nice and yeah. neat, you know, that they've been around for years and years. And oftentimes if you come in as a newcomer, you have no clue what they're talking about. In fact, one of those things, we still don't know what they are. Um, one that's called think, think, think. Yeah. I mean, this is not a new thing we've come up with. You will oftentimes see these inside of a a 12-step recovery group, and it simply says, think, think, think. What the heck that means? I don't don't know know. what it means, man. (laughs) I've seen it not just at our old home group meeting. I've seen it in other places, too, and it, it goes right against the whole keep it simple you know, but if I had like, to guess, and I could definitely be wrong here. I don't claim to know that I'm right. But if I'm going to guess, and like I tell my wife, if you're not sure, say it with confidence. And people don't normally question it. But I'm going to throw it out there. I don't know. But I'll confidently tell you that I believe it means to like pause and actually think about what you're doing. Don't just react. Sounds good to me. And so that's the best thing I can come <laughs> up with. But for the rest of these that we're going to be talking about, I believe that we do have a better grasp of what they are. We've lived them in one way or another. I've probably lived the think, think, think thing, but I just don't know what it is. I don't think. How about that? Oh, <laughs> man. Um, so let's let's begin talking about some of those yeah, things. Yeah, let's do it. You want to start us out? Yeah, sure. I think the – the one that people are the most familiar with, probably even if you've never even been in recovery or been to a recovery meeting, is one day at a time, living one day at a time. So, to me... Comes with the serenity prayer. Yeah, it's yeah, it's right there in the serenity prayer. To me, um, you know, man, I'm a, we've, I think we've done a whole show on one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um Man, I think that was, you know, like over a year ago, a lot of episodes ago. But, you know, it, it this one is kind of self-explanatory. It, it just means that, you know, you need to be present, live in the present moment. And um, you don't need to get caught up in what you're going to be doing 10 years from now or what you did 10 years ago. Um, all you have is just right now. You have the next 24 hours. You can only live one day at a time. So why stress yourself out, um, over all the other stuff that you could and get into fear 
and then that doesn't do any good for your recovery but also just your life in general i think this is one of those ones that can just apply to anybody and everybody yeah but even my best well my i can't take credit for i didn't come up with this but i heard it and the best illustration i've heard of that is you know if you keep one foot in the past and one foot in the present well that means you're peeing on the day yeah Uh and um and so really all we're given is today you're taking one day at a time and to even make it i guess probably make elaborate on that in a way that that brought it more home to me is that and i i will guess that you you kind of dealt with some of this i know most people do or at least the sponsees i've talked to have dealt with this is that um even if you get some time well i'm not even talking about the newcomer let's say you've got a year sober or we'll even say six months somewhere six months a year two years whatever you begin getting uh you know more the fog leaves your mind you're thinking a little clearer and you begin to realize that you're so much further behind your peers yeah you don't have the money you don't have the kids the wife the cars all of these things that you want in life and you realize how much damage you've done from your past and so now you're thinking how you can catch up and make things better and faster and more better and and if i use this this example of this this slogan that we're talking about one day at a time it doesn't matter about all that stuff, what happened in the past or what's in the future. I just got to live today because all I'm given is today. And if I can stay sober today, then I got a shot to build more money, more cars, more wives, more all that tomorrow. More wives. Wife. More wife. What are you like, Solomon or something? Out, well, of, out yeah. of the Bible? Uh, well, I see, I've got to be real careful here. My <laughs> wife may listen to this episode. I'm going to get in trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> okay moving on <laughs> you went all old testament on this there. <laughs> um you know there's so many here but let, let's think um one i hear a lot is kiss the, the you know and i've used heard this much more than just recovery this is this goes in a lot of different areas but it stands for keep it simple stupid and um i can magnify anything into this really big problem that i can't fix but if I can just narrow it down uh, to something much more manageable and make it very easy to apply into my life, I've got a better shot of it sticking. Um, just like all of these slogans is a way of keeping it simple, stupid. Instead of making it a big ordeal, let's just make it really small and manageable. Yeah, I'm. I'm you know, f- when you're living in active addiction for years, you're used to chaos and turning everything into this complex situation, which some of some of those situations you use for an excuse to drink or use. So then you come into recovery and you hear, keep it simple. Right. You know, it, 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 it's harder than it sounds, you know, for sure. Um, especially when you're used to the chaos and AA, AA and, or just any t- kind of 12-step program you know, it's called a design for a living and it, and it's supposed to help you clear out all that chaos and, and have a simpler way to live. So, um, one that I want to do is first things first. So I could be wrong, you know, about what I think this one means. So if I am, and some of these probably have like 50 different meanings, but when I hear first things first, I think, you know, you got to quit drinking and using drugs or whatever to get sober. Um, you know, a lot of times, um, or I remember when I first, first came in, uh, and there's one guy that when I go back to our old home group meeting, he always asked me the same question, you know, are you, are you sober? 
Right. It don't matter. I could I could have, you know, I mean, he'll still ask me that when I'm 15 years sober. He'll still say, are you, are you still sober? <laughs> because, I mean, that's, that's the first thing you got to do. You actually got to get sober. You actually have to quit putting mood and mind-altering substances in your body or you're not going to even be able to get anything out of the program. It's, it sounds very, you know, elementary, very simple, but... I mean, you know, to be able to work the steps and get anything out of it, you actually have to be sober. I I, I take that a step further. I think you're right. Um, but I, I think if you looked at it even on a more broader horizon, it would it would work like this. Um, you and I are both uh, checklist type folks, mm. and um, so if you if your mind operates like a checklist guy does. Uh, you may have five things that need to happen today. Well, it's easiest. It, you may, you probably follow this trap. There's probably one big thing that you need to do and four smaller things that may not even really make a big difference in your day. And it's always easier to go to those four things quicker because you can do them really quick or they're simpler to do and avoid that big to-do thing on your list that probably will make the most impact in your life. And so for me, the next right thing is doing that next big thing you need to do. Maybe it's making an amends. Yeah. You know, maybe the next thing you need to do in your recovery is go make the amends that you keep putting off. You know you need to make it. Go make the amends. Uh, my first sponsor, he would tell me that the IRS had audited him, and he owed a, a substantial <laughs> amount of money for, um, for some business that he had done. And he would tell me what his sponsor told to him. Just write the check, and he's like, yeah. "But I don't want to write, just write the check yeah. because all of this he would he would dream up all these problems and the reason he don't owe it, and why it's unjust and unfair." But if he just wrote the check, it'd all be behind him. Be he wouldn't live in that no yeah. more. And so the next right thing is just doing the next right thing. Write the check, you yeah. know. Oh yeah. Um, you know, another one I hear a lot of times is keep coming back. Just oh yeah. Keep coming back. Now I love this the saying because what it refers to is just come back to another meeting you're you know you're glad we're glad you're here just keep coming back but oftentimes it's used sarcastically and um it's after you share something really out there that's oh, really yeah. strange and um like you may have just used dope that day <laughs> you know we don't yeah. know um and, and so you'll hear some people at the end of your share keep coming back oh yeah you know and, and i'm guilty of doing that because a lot of people have done that to me oh yeah yeah. I remember, in fact, that same sponsor I'm talking about, he was chairing a meeting one time and he was on the far end of the rooms. And at, at this group I was in, there was about 40 people there and he shared and opened up the topic to share on that night. And everybody would go around they were sharing. And I was about, I don't know, four or six months sober. And he finally got back to me and I was going to help my sponsor out because I could tell nobody was answering the way he wanted to answer. Oh, yeah. So I thought in my head, you know, I was trying to body language him, you know. And so it got to me, and I'm like, okay, everybody's that, that's great. You all pray, but but what are you really doing to stay sober? Like everybody was holding out, you know, not giving me the stuff. And and I remember that night after I had my big vent about how everybody was trying to get over on the system. Everybody, everybody in that room, it felt like said, "Keep coming keep back, come back. <laughs> keep coming back." It's like a burn. Yeah, I had my meltdown. But I mean, I have actually heard, although it's kind of rare people like like after the meeting's over like they're talking to somebody and they're trying to encourage them and they'll be like genuinely saying like just keep coming back man just keep keep you know keep coming and just keep doing this thing 
But most of the time, like when you're in the meeting and it's in session and somebody says that, it's kind of a slow burn, like you were tore up still and you need to keep on coming back. <laughs> but the, the crazy thing is, is like, it's not like we're saying this so you don't come back. It's like, we get it, man. I understand where you're at. I mean, yeah, that was pretty stupid, but, um, you know, well, we, we've been there too. Yeah. It's know? like accepting. It. Yeah. It's like, it's we're, we're accepting you and your crazy self, yep. you know, and we want you to keep coming back. Cause we know that if you do, you'll actually get better. Yeah. Cause I'm, I mean, it's not like you ever get past it. I, I've said things in meetings years sober and still get that. Keep coming back, you know? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that, that's probably the best way I could could say at least that's how it applies here around where we live mm-hmm. and i've noticed as you travel around the country it's different it may mean a little different somewhere yeah. else i got one i like the act as if now this one is a little a little strange and feels a little weird because um so what i think it means i think it means like doing all the the 12 step work and when you're starting to come to recovery meetings and you don't understand what's going on mm-hmm. and you might not even you might be skeptical about the whole thing mm-hmm. like this isn't like you know like I was in the beginning you know you're just you you doubt that it'll work for you because you think you're special but if you act as if you do believe that it will work well then there's something that happens along the way where it just starts working. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of people, uh, this one kind of is, I, I kind of tie this one in to fake it till you make it. Th- these two things, kind these two sayings, as uh, act as if and fake it till you make it, they kind of mean the same thing to me. And some people kind of don't like, I, I've heard some people talk negatively about the whole fake it till you make it, but I'm on board with it. Because I, I'm a firm believer in um, that you can you can change your behavior first and then it filter in from the outside in and not the other way around. Does that does that make sense? It does. Like, because you know, think about self esteem. So if you have low self esteem, if you start doing esteemable things. It can actually work from the outside in and change the way you, you think about yourself because you see yourself doing th- things that are good instead of bad. Yeah, it was kind of like me praying for my first wife. You know, my, my sponsor said, you need to pray for her. And well, I prayed that she got hit by a car. He's like, no, that's not that's the not prayers right. we pray. <laughs> yeah. You need to pray for her what you want for yourself. And I didn't mean those prayers when I first said it, but I would I would just say them. And eventually that changed my my, my thoughts and my feelings towards her. Yeah, and I, and I know uh, I could go off on a tangent on this one, but, you know, I know a lot of people believe, like, you have to believe, you have to change what you think about the inside and let that affect and go from the inside out. But I mean, I, I, for me in my own life, I mean, it's kind of, it's, I've had a lot of success when I've just shown up and not worried about whether I believe that this is going to work or not. And then eventually I do. Well, the next one, I I think it's kind of similar to what we're talking about here, but it's keep an open mind. And, um, when I when I, I hear and think of keep an open mind, this was a huge nugget for me um, because I was very closed-minded with everything, and I, I felt kind of like 
I knew how things were supposed to be and how, the, how things were. And like when I walked in, I knew that God was against me because of everything that had happened, the divorce I had went through, the, the hand that I had, had amputated, all of those things. Well, God was against me. And people started telling me to have an open mind. Well, that meant I had to maybe believe that that God did care about me. Mm. I mean, I just had, I couldn't cut him off like I had been doing. I had to at least say, well, maybe there's room in it. Maybe there's something there. And so I, I've done that in many areas of my life to where I was just able to keep an open mind. And then that led into, you know, me just taking what you need and leave the rest, which is another saying, which I didn't even plan on giving that to you, <laughs> yeah. but, um, it just kind of come out there. Um, you know, and I've learned that by doing that, I can keep an open mind. And I may end up getting hate mail over this as a, being a Christian. You know, there's things I look at now, um, even through meditation and those things, that doesn't change my faith, but I believe that it helps me remove stress in my life. And I've enjoyed doing some of those things. And um, so I, I do believe that by keeping an open a mind that we can keep our, our possibilities more broad uh, things that we could do versus keeping a closed mind and only letting certain certain things into our life. I have the ability to act on what I want to act on and what I don't want to act on. Oh yeah, I agree. I think you said it. Uh, I like, and I, I've told this one to you before, and you know, you were like, I've never heard that one, but it's rule number, remember rule number 62. See, I still don't remember. You've told, you've told yeah. me this a couple of times. Rule number 62 is don't take yourself too seriously. And I, I mean, this one's good for just anybody to remember just in life, but I, I was the guy in, you know, my, the first time I got sober working 12 steps, um, you know, I was a, read the book, you know, knew the book, like, big time. You know, oh, yeah, on page, you know, 39, it says blah, blah, blah. You know, I was that guy. And I, I definitely took myself too seriously. Um, and I don't know. I wish somebody would have drilled this one <laughs> into me. But, um, but you know, there's, there's a lot of people in recovery meetings and whole recovery world that, you know, they're – they definitely take themselves too seriously. And I do, I do that. I still am guilty of this one, you know, a lot of times, but what this one kind of gets at to me is it, it's kind of like, uh, you know, what the, what the 12 shits, 12 steps should help you do. And that's deflect. <laughs> You've slipped up on that. One. I know I did. <laughs> hey, hey, have you ever heard a tongue twister there? I know. Say that five times fast. <laughs> now, have you ever heard a preacher cuss uh, during their sermon? No. Like, like they were trying to say a word. And then they cussed. No, I, but I bet it happened. But then, but then they just keep going like nobody heard it. And you're looking around in the audience in the congregation, and you're and you find somebody who's looking at you, and you're like, he just cussed. I know he did. You give him the hand. Nod I know like I heard he did. Too. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so but what it gets at is, and that's why I don't take myself too seriously because I just almost cussed. But uh, you know, it gets at just trying to deflate your pride. You know, don't. You know, you need to you need to simmer down now. Like you're not too big, you're never too big for this whole thing, and you're never you're never so advanced along in this that you can't still learn. Yeah, there, this this one would probably fit in better with last week's, but I, I still want to do it because I think it it's good. Um, and it don't usually happen in a meeting. It will often happen in a grocery store, maybe with someone you don't even know. And it kind of goes like this. 
hey, you friends with Bill W? Oh, yeah. And, um, and I, I know I've seen people kind of react to this and have no clue. And usually it happens with someone that I've met like in celebrate recovery type atmosphere that didn't know anything about yeah. um, who Bill W is. And what it refers to is Bill Wilson, which is one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous. And you say it that way so that way you don't break anyone's anonymity. Right. Which means that you want to keep, you know, where they go to meetings and all that secret so that way you don't get them in trouble with their spouse that may not know they're going to meetings or so they could lose a job or something like that. And so simply by saying, hey, you're a friend of Bill W., then you know that that other person's in meetings. And I, I've always found that interesting. In fact, in early in recovery, I found it really fun to ask people those questions. Hey, you, you friends with Bill W.? Yeah, it's like a secret society. It's like the handshake. Like handshake or yeah. something, you know. I mean – I've, I think I might have been asked that like maybe a, a handful of times in my whole life. I mean, it don't happen much, but or I'll be talking to somebody and then I'll kind of be talking about recovery and then they'll be like, yeah, I'm a friend of Bill W. You know, like they'll they'll throw that in there to let me know, like, hey, they're they're like me. You well, know? That, that happened just last week. Well, it's probably really? a month or so ago with me. I was Facebooking with a guy. He's a realtor. And I was telling him about, you know, hey, if you ever get any houses or this or that, I'm looking to buy a, a house. And um, I was like, you may remember me. I lived in your neighborhood, but things were a lot different back then. My hand of saying, yeah, I know I was the bad kid on the block. He <laughs> said, oh, I'm a friend of Bill W. Nice. <laughs> so it was cool, yeah. So, um, what about um, 90 meetings in 90 days? You'll hear someone say that, you mm-hmm. know, as they're sharing that they're doing 90 meetings in 90 days. Um, you know, I guess that was pretty self-explanatory. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the unwritten rule. I don't know that it's ever been written anywhere that I know of, not in a recovery atmosphere but you know the standard procedure for most people is when you first come into recovery go to 90 meetings wherever you need to get to them at in 90 days and it it kind of reinforces just a habit let's get into a new habit of going to meetings and it also keeps you out of the trouble of other places that you may end up at bars friends houses uh, maybe maybe even with your spouse i don't know what what kind of living environment you got but it's one cool thing about being in a recovery meeting, it is most often a safe place to be. And I, I don't know very many people that are using inside of a meeting. And I, I know there's been people that showed up high at meetings, but they're not oh, yeah. typically using in the meeting. Well, we're, I mean, we're better for them to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, I like that because, um, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're trying to change your entire life. And so what better way than to, as soon as you quit drinking or you get out of rehab or whatever, than to change your entire schedule mm-hmm. to where you're scheduling your whole day to where you can make it, you know, to a meeting. What, what, what's crazy is like, um, I've said this to people before, you know, somebody, somebody will ask you to sponsor them or whatever. And you'll say, Okay, well, are you willing to go to any lengths to stay sober? And they'll go, yeah. I'm like, okay, we'll go to 90 meetings in 90 days. And they're like, well, I mean, what? Wait, what? Or or how about this? I need you to call me once a day. They never do. I I, I don't think I've ever had anybody do it, ever, ever. No, I mean, but like, 
I, I don't know. You you say if you're willing to go to anything. But anyway, that's a whole other tangent. I I did when I first my first sponsor. I called him every day for a while, and then he finally was like, "Okay, you can." You <laughs> okay, can, that's look, that's good. Like, no, you're good. You know, call me if you need me. Yeah. You know, it, it morphed into call me if you need me, not call me every day. Right. <laughs> I took I took a lot of that stuff like literal in the beginning. Right. <laughs> because I was just. I don't know. I was just tore up, ready to ready well, to change. You know, tired, tired of sick and tired of being sick yeah. and tired. What's next? Oh, I got one. Um, which oh, I don't forgot which one it is now. Oh, let me find it. Uh, How about this one? Um, I don't know exactly. It's, it's it's said a little different in different ways, but um, you got to stay sober for yourself. Oh yeah, and um. That sounds weird in some ways because I remember me when I first got sober, I wanted to get sober for my parents. I was tired of seeing what I was doing to them, the destruction, the chaos that was called. I've had sponsors say, I've got to do this for my kids. I've got to do this for my kids. I got to do this for my wife. I got to do this for my job. You know, I'm going to lose my job if I don't do this. Uh, if I don't do this, I'm going to end up in prison. Um, there's a lot of reasons to get sober, but if you don't do it for yourself, then you'll find a reason to quit doing it. Oh, yeah. And so that's simply what it means by doing it for yourself. Um, it, it's really a selfish program when it comes down to it. I know the whole program talks about giving and serving others right. when you really get down to the nuts and bolts of it. But it's a very selfish program in the fact that you've got to do it for you. Yeah. And if you don't carve out time for you and your recovery meetings, those 90 and 90 days, well, then you're going to figure out a way to go use. Yeah, but it's not. But like in the end, it's not really selfish because when you are focusing on yourself and getting your, you know, and trying to get better, well, then that makes you more useful to other people. And it takes away a lot of the codependency that comes right. with it. Yeah. You know, and it's making you focus on your recovery. You see, my recovery is not my, my parents' recovery. My recovery is not my wife's recovery. If I'm not working on my recovery, then nobody's working on my recovery. Right, yeah. So, I mean, that, that's bottom line. That's what is, what's got to happen. Yeah. I remember which one it was that I was wanting to do. It's don't leave before the miracle happens. You know, I heard I heard that one a pretty good bit. And, um, you know, I was like, well, what's this miracle? Yeah. Well, the miracle was... I stayed sober, right. you know, but like, you know, several times when I was trying to get sober, I'd, I'd get sober and then I would try to get all my stuff back. I would be just focused on like all the material things that I would, I would miss, you know, what the true miracle is. And that's, you know, actually living a life of recovery and all, all the blessings that come from working the 12 steps and, you know, having a relationship with God, all those intangible things that are, you know, far more valuable than any kind of material possessions, I'd miss all those things. Mm -hmm. And, but, but then I think this one also means just like, don't come in here and work three steps and then leave, you know, because you're not, you're not going to get anything out of it. So uh, I always like that one. And, um, I would in one that's kind of related to that one is we still live in an age of miracles. And I was like, what, what is this like semi-religious talk? Yeah, this is like the biblical like, spin on it. Yeah. I mean, well, when you first come into AA, AA you're, you're not, you know, most of the time or you come into any 12 step program, you're not, 
you know, a regular church attender or anything. Like, you're coming from jail, you're coming from rehab, a psych ward. Like, you're coming, you know, from the bottom of something. And if you are coming from church, <laughs> you're coming from guilt and shame and a closet right. drinker that nobody knows about. Yeah, mm. and so to come in there and hear some of this kind of, you know, religious talk or whatever is kind of weird at first, but then... When they explained it, like, they explained what their, you know, you, especially in a speaker meeting, you would hear what their life was like, and you start identifying with it. Well, man, you know, and then you hear get to hear what happened and what their life is like now and how much better it is. Then all of a sudden I started realizing, like, that is a miracle for somebody to change that much, for God to change and to, you know, help somebody recover from such a life to where they are now. It is a miracle. And I, and I think it is. Well, talking about the biblical talk, um, in a previous episode, I don't remember which one it was, but we talked about this too shall pass. And I was convinced it came from the Bible. No, and you Lord corrected of the me that it did not <laughs> come from the Bible. Um, because I, that one gets thrown around so much, I just assumed that it was in the Bible somewhere. You could do a whole ep- We could do a whole episode on that kind of stuff, like cleanliness is next to godliness yeah. and all or, that kind of stuff. Or the seven deadly sins. <laughs> yeah, seven deadly sins. Uh. Yeah. But um, so this too shall pass is not in the Bible, no. but it is talked about in recovery meetings as though it is, you know, because it's right. talked about that much, not that it really is. Um, that was my mistake. But uh, so this too shall pass. And what it refers to is no matter how bad it is, you're going to make it through it. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be, you know, light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, one thing that I could think of when when I was thinking about this is that, um, if you're listening to me right now, no matter how bad your life is right now, one thing I know for sure is up to this point, you've had a hundred percent success at making it through the worst times of your entire life mm. because you're, you're still here, still here you know? Yeah. Um, so that should give you some hope to know that, uh, looking at my hand when I lost my hand years ago, dude, it's been 19 years since I lost my wow. hand. And um, I would have, I mean, somebody actually pointed that out. A guy asked me the other day, he said, How, when did you lose your hand? And I, I said, it happened in 2002. And, um, hmm. um, well, actually, it's 18 and some change. But um, so um, I said, he said, oh, it's been 19 years is what he said. Yeah. And um, his math is kind of like my math. Yeah. But um, he um, he said, been 19 years. I mean, just kind of blew it off. And I'm like, wow, it, it really has been 19 years. And I think about this this whole thing. 19 years ago, I thought my life was over, that it was it was completely done. And that's, that's over and done with. And it's just really not – it's just kind of a vague memory now of, of what has happened. Um, through these years and and i can look back at many instances in my life that you know the worst times of my life they're gone and honestly if i really am honest with you i can't even remember exactly how much pain i was in in those times Mm. because they're they're gone now i get it tomorrow i might wake up and then face a new storm in my life and forget that saying altogether and to heck with it's going to pass because i'm living in it right now and the storm's bad and the waves are rough the wind's horrible and i don't see you know any any daylight on the end of it but that is really where that step three in my dependence upon god and my faith those those things pull me through those difficult times right. now. Uh-huh. And so I've got different tools now, but I can't say that I'm immune to any of those things. Uh, I can forget all of it, everything that I'm saying right now. But um, I've had enough experience to know that the, the times will pass if I give it a little time. 
Yeah, that's great. I got a good one for us to end on. Okay. Recovery is a journey, not a destination. I love that one. That's a good one. Yeah, yeah. I've used that one a lot. Yeah, I, you know, and, and I, I mean, you could just, that's another one that can apply to anything and everything almost. But I mean, a lot of times, uh, I mean, especially when I first started 12 Steps, you know, I just, I thought, well, this is something like I'm going to graduate from it, right? You know, I'm, I'm going to be done with this. And I'm going to be able to just move along in my life and just forget I ever had a tr- uh, any, any kind of trouble with drugs or alcohol. And I really tried that, and it didn't work, you know. Um, it it took, took a while before I was able to realize, and hearing this, this slogan um, a lot of times, before I realized that, like, hey, this is just going to have to be a way of life for me. Like, this is the journey that I have to be on if I'm going to have any kind of decent you know, um, fulfilling and, you know, any kind of life of contentment, I'm going to have to keep on practicing this life of recovery. Um, I'm not going to graduate, you know, from it at at any point in time. So um, here's what I like about these slogans, uh, all these different slogans that we've been talking about today, is when you first, when I first came in the room, I would read these things on the wall and I would just be like, what a bunch of crap, you know? Exactly. And I would hear people say them, and I'd be like, still crap. But there's been so many times, like, in my recovery and in my life where I hear them echoing in my mind when I'm, you know, say I'm in a, in a, in a bad spot, you know, I'm depressed, or I'm faced with a temptation of, hey, do I, do I, do I do this or do I do this? And then I hear that slogan, do the next right thing, ring in my head. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'm making some, you know, situation in my life super complex and I hear, keep it simple. All these AA and 12-step slogans, they just start ringing in my mind because I've seen them, I've heard people say them. And as corny as some of them are, some of them have really gotten me through some tough, tough times in my recovery. Yeah, I mean, even as you're sitting there saying that, like play the tape through. That's one that I always go to about you know think it all the way through. But uh, I did want to kind of to to just kind of leave you with this. I was actually going to bring us in with this. I kept for I kept forgetting what I was going to bring the show in on. So we'll leave on this. Is um most of our listeners, unless they're new, know that we kind of started this podcast. It kind of spun off of a book that I wrote, and I don't talk a lot about the book because, well, it's just hard for me to brag about uh, a story because it's basically my biography of what happened, um, you know, my my testimony of what, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now, and then I talk about working through the steps and how it can apply to anyone, and even for someone who has a loved one in addiction, it will help you kind of see their mindset of why they make some of the choices they do, and hopefully be a tool for them and maybe a, a gift they could give to someone. And so I wrote that about, a, I don't know, a couple of years ago, and I don't spend a lot of time with it. It's a self-published book, so it's not like bringing in tons of money. And um, I sell it for, for next to nothing when you compare it to other books because it's never been about the money. But from time to time, I'll go on and check because it's all through Amazon. Yeah. Um, Soberholic, 12 Steps Later, the same thing we, we name our podcast. And I'll see if it's sold. And um, I had just sold uh, several copies of the ebook to it because there's an ebook and then there's a um, uh, soft cover yeah. book. And what I noticed is 
someone had bought some books and they had also gave a, a review to it and it had brought the the ratings up tremendously like huh. i mean it, it went up thousands of, of book ratings uh, for someone to do that now i don't say all that for any other reason but to say this is that that same process these algorithms that things work on work for this show the same yes. way yes if people would go online yeah. and would leave us a review um on apple podcast or you know, or even rate it. You, know, you can just simply click on the, the star, stars. Yeah, scroll um, to the or, bottom, or, or write yeah. how much you love Jason's voice. Yeah, you know that he's <laughs> just got an amazing voice. Yeah, <laughs> uh, those things truly make that big a difference. And I yeah. got to see that when people gave me a review on the book, oh, yeah. and also when they started purchasing those things. I don't know which one made the difference, but Both. something made a, a tremendous yeah. difference on that. So if you haven't ever seen the book, you can go on Amazon, look for the book, uh, Silverhawk Twelve later um but more importantly um go in there and give us a review on the podcast help our message of yeah. hope and recovery get out to more people we're talking to you who listens to every episode for you know the last year and you always hear us ask to leave a review and you're like nah i ain't gonna do that we do this just you, just go ahead and do eventually it. you will it's, it's like <laughs> it's like your sponsor says to call him every day and you don't and he keeps telling you call him every day you need to do it we're gonna wear you down yep yep <laughs> you'll give in all right. All right. Thanks, guys, for listening. Um, I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're signing out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.